12, Romans chapter 12, continuing on this evening, and this morning I felt so unprepared just a little bit, not unprepared, the message was well thought out and a lot of time went into it, that's not what I'm saying, but on Wednesday I did a funeral, and so I take my preaching Bible with me when I go do things, and so my preaching Bible was still in my truck. Because normally I leave my preaching Bible on the pulpit. I don't move this from here. It's always here. And so this is not my study Bible. So this morning, I had one of the Bibles that you have in the rows there. So I don't know if you noticed a couple of those scriptures that weren't up on the screens. This little Bible takes a few seconds to get the pages to turn. It's a hardback there. So it was, I'm glad to have my Bible back up here tonight. So, And I think you're just getting too used to having certain things. And so... Um, this Bible I preach from, and I, I like it, so that's a good thing. Romans chapter 12, we're going to review verse 1 and 2 super quick, dive into the new stuff tonight. Does anyone need a handout? Does everyone have one? Maybe we need one up here, and then maybe I could get one from you too as well, Alfredo. And good, you, oh, is there already one up here? Man, you're ahead of the game. Nice job, Alfredo. And looking sharp tonight, too. He dr this morning, he looked like a slacker, and tonight he's all dressed. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing you. Just teasing. Just teasing. Romans 12, verse number 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. They may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, this is where we're starting tonight, verse number three. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body... And all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. We look tonight at these verses, and we see as we go through this chapter, Paul's focus has been all over the place in the first 12 chapters. I mean, he starts out basically laying out in the first three chapters how we're all guilty before God. doesn't matter where you stand. If you are real religious or whatever the case may be, we are all guilty before God in the first three chapters. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 talk about the fact that we are saved by grace. And that that's how Abraham was counted. It was his faith he put in the Lord, and we're saved by grace. We see in chapter number 5 that God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. Chapter 6 goes deeper into grace. Chapter 7 talks about the fact that I don't always do the things I want to do. I end up doing a lot of the things I don't want to do. And then chapter 8 says how you fix that problem. 
The Holy Spirit of God can help you and minister to you and help you going forward. And that's what chapter 8 is all about and how nothing can separate you from God's love. And you can be a conqueror through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter 11 deal more with Israel and Paul's burden for them getting saved. And then we saw there was a doxology to close at the end of chapter number 11. And we see all the doctrinal side and all that God has done for us in the first 11 chapters. And we see Paul make these words, I beseech you, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We looked at this just last two weeks ago. Be not conformed. Hey, don't let the world push you into its mold, but be transformed. And we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That comes as we spend time with God and our growth with him. That you may prove, and our lives are to prove, to try and say that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect for our lives. Now tonight we get to verse number 3, and we see that Paul mentions grace, and we're going to see that again in verse number 6. He says, for I say, through the grace given unto me, and he's still talking about individuals, and now he's going from how we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice, to how we are to view of Christ, how we interact with the body of Christ. Now, you've got to understand something tonight, and we're going to look at a lot of things. We don't have a ton of time tonight. I know some of you are tired already. I get that. But this is, if our church could pick up on a passage of Scripture, if our teams that we've started to assemble that work in different ministries pick up on tonight's passage, this would really help us going into the future. And one of the things I'm going to do is if someone's not here that's on one of our teams, I'm going to put this on a CD or I'm going to send them a link and I'm going to have them listen to this message on purpose because this message will be a help to each of us. As we get into this passage and as we look at this thing, we see that from the beginning, Paul emphasized from the beginning here that we need to, we have an obligation before God. We should present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. It's only reasonable after all that God has done for us. And then we see the rest of this chapter from verse 3 through verse 21 is talking about our individual duty as believers concerning our placement in the body of Christ and how we interact with those in the body of Christ. Now you've got to understand something. And as I talk about the body of Christ, there are two examples that we could use of that. When we get saved, the Bible makes it clear that we're baptized into one body. That's Bible. So those who are saved and have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that is a body. That is the body of, the body of Christ, the body of believers. Now, you've got to understand something. Here on earth today, the body of Christ, we don't have a universal body. We have individual bodies. So tonight, our church, Victory Baptist, that is a local church body. You can go all through town. Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, that's a local church. That's their body. There's different bodies. We're not all one body. But at the end of the day, as believers, we are all one in Christ. So we might have different bodies, local bodies today, but when we, the rapture happens, we'll be called out of this place, and there will be one universal body with the Lord. Does that make sense tonight? I am not talking about the universal body of believers tonight. 
believers within the confounds of a local church. And we're going to look at this tonight and see what Paul has to say and see how it can help us and some observations. And really it's how my message is thinking about the body or thinking about other believers. So as we dive in here tonight, number one, we see a warning. And this first warning is to watch your pride in the body. Watch your pride in the body. The first words of our text refer us back to the two verses of the beginning of this chapter. Paul says here, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The real danger is that as we grow in the Lord and as we become that living sacrifice that's talked about in verse number one, and as we get more separate in our walk for God, that we might develop some bad habits in us. Because that happens. We got to be watchful. And Paul's warning here of this. And one of the greatest dangers we fall into is we try to live for the Lord. We try and do all these different things. One of the biggest problems and the things that rear its ugly head is the area of pride. Well, I'm doing better than so-and-so. Or why doesn't so-and-so do this? Why is it I do everything and so-and-so does nothing? Or why is it that, um, why aren't they walking with God like me? Why weren't they at church? I was at church. And we got to be careful in this area with the body that we're put in. And when we look at this, do you realize, and we think about pride tonight, pride is at the very root of all sin. Pride is what led to the first sin that ever took place in Lucifer. I will be greater than God. That's where it all began. And then when Satan was there in the garden with Adam and Eve, and with Eve, and he tells her, you could be like as God, knowing good and evil. Pride. Pride is behind all sin when we really look deep and into it. Because pride puts me or I first. That's what it does. Pride is a sin that we're going to have to deal with in our lives from time to time. It will come. When you think you're humble, there's pride. It's always that way. And so as we look here tonight, we see watch your pride in the body that God's placed you in. We see letter A, we see the danger we are to avoid. The danger we're to avoid. And Paul says that there's a twofold danger here. It says to every man is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The first that one that we have here, the first danger that we see is self-deception. Number one, self-deception. The first problem we see here is thinking more of yourself than we ought to think. Paul has in mind those who tend to look down on other believers. Maybe they think they aren't as holy or living the life that they're living. Maybe they tend to feel that their gifts that God's given them are better gifts than what someone else might have within the body. Whatever the case may be. Maybe they want control in the church. Maybe they believe that God, that they are God's gift to everything. And sometimes people get that idea. Whatever goes through a person's mind who thinks he is the stuff is a person who's walking in pride. There are many believers who believe that they're God's gift to the church. Some people actually believe 
that if their gifts or talents were removed from a local church, that church could not go on. Let me help you tonight. There is no one in this place that can be replaced. Me included. Very easy, someone else could get up and preach the word of God in this place. Someone else could pass. This place doesn't need Brian to run. This place needs God to run. And a body of believers working together. And we get in trouble sometimes where we get this idea. And we think about in the Bible in First John, it meant, or Third John, it mentioned Diotrephes, this man, because he loved to have the preeminence among them. And too many, like Diotrephes, have forgotten that the church existed before they did and before I did, and the church will continue to exist long after we're all gone. We're just simply tools and instruments of the Lord. The conclusion of the matter is this to this evening. Every member, every part of the body is important, but none is essential. That is, there's a place in God's work for all the redeemed tonight. But the whole work doesn't rest on my shoulders. It doesn't rest on your shoulders. It just doesn't. When any church becomes dependent upon our own gifts and abilities, or the gifts and abilities of one or two people, we get in danger of pride and we need a spiritual overhaul. Think about Jesus. Think about these words that Paul wrote in Philippians 2, verse 3 through 5. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is how Christ lived his life. And that's his call for us tonight. And so as we look here tonight, we see some of the dangers that we could be in. The first one is self-deception, where we think too highly of ourselves. Number two, self-deprecation. The opposite end of the spectrum, where folks display a false sense of humility. There are people who are, who are asked to do something in church. Oh, no, I can't do that. So-and-so has much better gifts than I do. I couldn't help and do that. And the list could go on with those things. I don't have any talents. I don't have any abilities. I can't do anything. Let me just remind you tonight. If you're a saved child of God, you have gifts and talents. Each and every one of you do. And our gifts are different than those, and that's the way God made it. And thank God he made it that way. But don't tell me you don't have a gift. You do. Now, there might be some people that have multi-gifts that God's given to them. And praise God, he's given them multiple gifts. Maybe you have one gift tonight. Well, you have that gift. Use that gift for the glory of God. And sometimes we run into the problem where we don't think too highly of ourselves we get this false sense of humility about us and what we are doing is when we say we can't do something in the Lord we get that attitude about us you can do all things through Christ which strengthened you you can I hear many Christians oh I could never do that. I can't do that yes you can I could never witness 
If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can witness. You can. And so when we look at these things, you have both sides of the fence here. You have those who think too highly of themselves, and then those that have that false sense of humility, which is just another sign of pride because you're still thinking too much about yourself. Do you get it? So the problem is, if you're thinking too highly of yourself, the problem is you're still thinking about self. If you think too little of yourself, you're still thinking about yourself. So it doesn't matter. You can be on both ends of the spectrum, and pride is still on both sides because you're thinking about you. And we're supposed to not be thinking, look, not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Do you get that? Does that make sense? should make sense. Good, I'm glad it made sense to Russ. And if it makes sense to Russ, with, his, with how simple-minded he is, it can make sense to a lot of people in this room tonight. So that's a wonderful thing. And so Paul, number one, as we look here, he tells us to watch your pride in the body. We see the dangers to avoid self-deception and self-deprecation. Letter B, the decision we're to accept. The decision we're to accept. What's that decision? To find balance in the midst of it. Not to think too much of yourself and not to think less of yourself. To find the balance. What does it say there? Look at the rest of that verse. For say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We think of sober. We think of not being drunk, right? That's a lot of times what comes to our mind. But when Paul calls us here to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, the word soberly means sanely and intelligently. This verse is teaching us that we need to make an honest assessment of what God has done in our lives. What God's done. You see, this is the thing. Don't think too highly of yourself because it's God who's doing the work in you. It's God who gave you the gifts that you have. But then on the other side of it, don't think too low of yourself because God's given you gifts, talents, and abilities for Him. So we have to look at it in an intelligent way. And I know that's hard for some, but we've got to look at it in an intelligent way. And if God's gifted you in an area, don't get puffed up because you're gifted in that area. And if you don't have a gift that someone else has, don't feel bad that you don't have the gift that they have. But take what God's given to you Use what God's given you for his honor and glory. Do you see that? Simply accept what God's given you. Oh, I wish I had a gift like so-and-so. It'd be nice sometimes. I'll give you an example. The other night, um, I went to the police station to do some chaplain work. Well, one of the chaplains, he pastors, uh, Mike Spradlin, he pastors Valley Christian Church here in Chino. He can just talk to anyone. Everyone in the police station, he hugs everybody. I mean the toughest, roughest cops and hugs. He just hugs everybody, and they just talk to him. He's been doing it for 20-something years, but he's just, he, could, he literally could talk to the wall over here. I think the wall would talk back at some point because that's literally how he is. If you know me very well, I, it seems like I like to talk because I preach, okay? I get that. God's called me to do that. That's why I do what I do. I am not the type of person to just sit in a room and talk to people. I'll sit there and be quiet. I was teasing him the other night because the two of us were together. And I'm like, see, there's good balance here. You like to talk and I don't. 
is that sometimes I wish that God get, and I had to catch myself. Because I don't need to wish that God gave me some gift that someone else has. What God gave me. God's given me my gifts to use for his honor and glory. And my gifts are different than someone else's. So we are supposed to think soberly, intelligently on this. It, so so-and-so is better at something than I am. Praise God they are. Let them do what God's called them to do. I don't need to try and be them. I can't be them. And then there's things that I do that they can't do. I'm Brian. That's me. I'm not Mike. In the police department, I'm Brian. I'm not Mike. That's how it is. Like it or lump it, that's how it is. And I, that doesn't mean you don't try and grow and get better in areas. But I can't go around, oh, I wish I had the gift that so-and-so has because God didn't design it. God gave you the gifts that he intended for you to have. And so we got to look at this thing. We can't think too much of ourselves. We can't think too little of ourselves. We just don't think about ourselves at all and look at what God's given to us and let him work through us to do his work. Does that make sense? And so as we look at this, the bottom line is we need to be honest about what the Lord has done for us by his grace. If he's gifted you in whatever area, use your gift and ability for God. But I, I want to be a good teacher. Well, maybe God didn't make you a teacher. Then don't worry about being a good teacher and use the gift that God's given you. Now, that doesn't mean don't strengthen your teaching points and do those things. I'm not saying that. But don't look and try and be something that you're not. Let the talents that God's given you work. Don't think it makes you better than anybody else but at the same token don't assume a position of false humility by pretending that God isn't working in your life either because both extremes are wrong you'll notice then verse 3 and verse 6 that Paul uses the word grace and this reminds us of two very important truths that I want to give you before we move on to point number two. First one is this number one we're all saved by grace guess what we all got into this thing the very same way and we all came from the same place. We were all headed towards hell, and he did the same work for each and every one of us. We're washed in the same blood. We're headed to the same heaven. We sing the same song. Regardless of our background, where you came from, whatever the case may be, we are all sinners that are saved by the grace of God, and you and I are no better than anyone else. It's all by the grace of God that we are anything tonight. Second thought about grace is this. We are all served. Or we are all serving by grace. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, By the grace of God, I am what I am. If you and I are living the right kind of life for Jesus Christ, then we will never be any more or any less than he intends for us to be. You're not going to always have the gifts or have different things that others have. But we just need God's grace active in our lives, and we need to do our best to glorify God with what he's given to us. Number one, we see tonight that we need to watch our pride in the body. Number two, number two, watch your place in the body. Stay in your place. Stay in your zone. Isn't that a good word right there? That's good. Look at verse number four. It says, for as many, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. 
Now, as we think about this and you watch your place in the body, Paul's next step here, his next objective is to teach the individuals that they should use their perspective gifts for the use of the whole body. So, letter A, we see this about understand the image. Paul takes and compares the local body, the local church, to a human body before our eyes to illustrate what he's teaching. Paul reminds us, and you think about how complex tonight the human body is. Our bodies tonight, think about this, they're made up of trillions of cells, over 200 bones, over 600 muscles, and specialized systems that cause us to be able to live and to function. The body's very diverse, but it works in perfect unity. When it doesn't, you have problems, right? You start to get older and that knee doesn't want to bend and the rest of the body wants to go. There's a problem with the knee. But when the, you don't have a problem with the knee and everything's moving, everything works together. How would it be on your body if your eyes want to go that way and your feet say, no, we're going this way. No, but I want to go that way. Wants to go here. What if your body did that? We laugh and think that's funny, but that's how the local church operates today. We're supposed to be many members in one body. So you think about that, we all got to be going together in the same direction. And let me just give you some more facts about the human body tonight. There are 7.5 trillion cells in one body. More complex than any advanced computer this world's ever put together. Each cell, there's 7.5 trillion of them. Each cell, the only time you hear trillions is when you hear about na our, nat our, na our national debt. So, you know, you can kind of compare those two right there. So 7.5 trillion cells, each cell of those 7.5 trillion cells has 200 trillion tiny groups of atoms called protein molecules per, so 200 trillion, multiply that by 7.5 trillion. Think about all that goes on in the body. The largest molecule is called DNA. It carries hereditary information from the parents to the offspring. It also carries your genetic code. It determines if you're a man or if you're a mammoth, I don't know. But DNA, think about this. DNA in one cell is six feet long. Total DNA, get this to DNA in a body would fill a box the size of an ice cube. But if they were joined together, it would reach the sun and back 400 times. That's just in your body tonight. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. If you were to take, you think about this, all our cells contain the information found in all the other cells. And each cell in your body carries all the necessary information for another you. If the coded DNA information and instructions of one human were translated into English, it would fill a thousand volume encyclopedia. And that's all inside of you. I'd go even further and give you more deeper stuff, but... For the simple mind of Russ, we won't go any further than that tonight. I think that does pretty good. But what we see as we talk about watch your place in the body, we see we got to understand the image. He uses a 
physical body to talk about the body of Christ. Letter B, we see when we understand the individuality. Verse 5 says, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. He begins by reminding us that we're individuals. Hey, we were saved individually, and we're gifted by God individually. We are special to God as individual people, and never be ashamed of who God made you to be and your individuality. He loved you. He died for you. He saved you. You have a special place in the Lord. But may I just, and as we think about that, we must never try to force someone else to conform to our ideas or what we think a Christian is or how we think someone should be. This is how you need to be. Individuality comes into play. Now, there might be some areas, spiritually speaking, that we got to shape up on, and that's a different story. But I'm glad this church isn't full of Brian's. That would be trouble. I'm glad this church isn't full of Lori's. That would be a lot of trouble, too. I'm glad this church isn't full of Ryan's or Carla's or D's or Stephanie's or whatever the case may be. We're individuals, and praise God for the individuality, and thank God for the characters we have in this place. We have a lot of characters. It's amazing all the characters we have. We might not be a huge church, but we sure got the characters in it, but I'll leave that alone right there. And so, yeah, Gene as well. But you got to understand, as we look at these things, you got to understand the image. It's a body. We also understand the individuality, which leads us to letter C, understand the integration. So you are an individual. So you do have your own thoughts. You have your ways that you like things, whatever the case may be. But look at what it says, the rest of verse number 5 there. It says, and every one members one of another. You see that right there? And while the body is made up of many components, and we went through all the cells that we have, the DNA, over 200 bones in this body that I have, and all these different things, we think about that tonight. There are many components. But tonight, in my body, at this moment, they are functioning properly together. Otherwise, who knows what I'd be saying to you right now. But they're functioning, I think, right now. They're functioning. My hand, I meant to do that with my hand. I meant to walk over here. It's functioning together. All these cells, all this DNA, all these bones, all this different stuff is all working together so my body functions. That's why you go to the doctor when part of the body's not functioning. Get that? And so as we talk about this integration, we think about this, when my eye sees something it wants to investigate, my body walks towards it. My hands pick it up. Do you see how my body worked together to pick up this pin? My eyes saw it, my feet walked me over, and my hand picked it up. It worked together. All the differences that my body has in all these different spots, whatever the case may be, that is a seamless integration and cooperate. But you think about this. This is how the church should be. The church should be. We see something that needs to get done. We walk to it. 
we pick it up and we do what we need to do. But that's not how the local church likes to operate today. The local church has a lot of individuals in it. And everybody wants to do what they think is right. So this eye wants that pen. This eye wants the songbook. This hand doesn't want the songbook and it doesn't want the pen. It wants that green pumpkin there. I don't know why it's green. Did anybody ever notice? It, hasn't, it isn't ripe yet, I guess. I don't know. Why do you have a green pumpkin? Who has a green pumpkin? Anyways, I just noticed that. I'm going to have to ask Caroline, why do we have a green pumpkin in here? That's not even... It says pumpkin decoration. 99 cent store. That's why. That says it right there. That proves right there. That's why it's still green. 99 cent store. So, um, what? I know that. I'm just to play along, okay? <laughs> See, Carla's one of those that's a little smarter than me. You know, Russ keeps me down on this end, and Carla keeps me up a little bit higher. So I got to try and bring a balance between the two. That's why they sit on the opposite ends of the room so they can keep where they need to be. But if this eye wants this pen, this eye wants the songbook, this hand wants the disinfectant in there, and this hand wants to go play the piano, we get nothing accomplished. And a lot of churches don't get anything accomplished because they're too busy fighting with one another trying to get their way. It happens in our church. It happens in many churches. And just as my body's working together to do what it needs to do to function throughout the day, that's how the local body of believers is supposed to function. But when we are trying to be too individual and do our own thing, and that's why, if you notice, we have individuality. You have your strengths and you have, you are you. We have a mission statement. That is our purpose. That's where we stand. That's what we do. That's where we keep, uh, that's where we are in one accord together. We might have different ways of doing it, but our eyes are focused on what's important. About exalting Jesus Christ, edifying the saints, and reaching the lost with the gospel. And as we look at this, and we think about many believers have come to believe that, and this is the other problem that we have. Not only do we have Christians and believers trying to do their own thing and go their own way, and we're seeing more and more of this one today, and it's really sad as we see this. We've got many believers today who've come to believe that they can get along fine with no other believers in their life. I don't need a body. You hear it nowadays, I don't need church, I can just watch it at home. There's more to than to just getting a sermon. But that's a scary thought. There may, uh, there's, just, I just, there's no place for me, and I don't need it. I can, I can worship God myself. No, you see, the way God designed it, God designed a local body. And the knee can't go function by itself if it doesn't have the rest of the body. And if you're a child of God, God has a place and a church for you to be a part of. May I just help you and remind you of a few things? Bible tells us that it's God who adds and takes away from a church. For me in the past 11 years, one of the hardest things for me to accept, because when people leave or they get mad or something happens, the case may be, and then they leave, it's like, I don't want them to leave. But at the end of the day, God knows what's best for the body. And then he also knows who to bring into the body. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, we don't want that in the body. Time out. No, no, we don't need any more characters. Don't we have enough characters already? 
But you got to understand something tonight. You need you need the local body. You need fellowship with the believers. And that's why tonight it kind of my heart's a little sad because there is about half of our church that wasn't here tonight. They'd rather stay at home or do something else than come fellowship with God's people. And that's something that we got to get back to being stronger in. And I know, and sometimes, and even when you're out, and sometimes, you know, I just, I just don't, and I hear this a lot. Whatever we have, let's say it's a ladies' meeting or a men's meeting, or anything, what's the food going to be? I'll decide on by what, what you're going to feed me. You good for nothing, Christian. That's such a pathetic attitude, an ungodly attitude. You don't come for what, what you're doing is you're thinking of yourself. What's in it for me? You know what your thoughts should be? How can I help encourage someone else? Who could I sit with tonight at dinner that might not have anybody be with them on Thursday, but I could have made their night tonight? But I don't need other believers. I'll just stay home. If you're watching online, you missed out tonight. And I hope you change your heart and get better on those things. Pastor, that's a little rough. If you don't have a pastor that'll preach it like it is, go find a church where the pastor does. So we need pastors that'll just preach the truth. And sometimes the truth isn't very comfortable for people. But <sighs> just wait. I thought about wait till I get old and I won't care what I say. That would be even better then. <laughs> maybe I'll get maybe I'll be on medicine by then. It won't matter. And I can just blame the meds. Right, Russ? Anyway, so as we look at this and we study this out here, we are to be a body. But one, and as we think about this, we are to work together. So we see tonight that we are to watch your pride in the body, watch your place in the body, and then number three, watch your performance in the body. Watch your performance in the body. Just as we are to find our niche or find our spot in the body, we are to care, and as we do those things, Paul closes out this section by teaching how we should perform in the body. We see letter A, and we're running out of time, but we're going to get through this. Letter A, we see our call. Verse number 6 says, Having then gifts differing, according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And we see verse number 6, the beginning here, reminds us of the fact of just what we've been talking about. When we get saved, God has given us a gift. That's right. The moment you receive Christ, the Spirit of God gives you a gift. And you receive that gift to use for the Lord in His body, in the local church that God places you in. So there is no need for you to come to God or to the Holy Spirit and pray for a gift because you've already been given a gift. So the question becomes, and that's where in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, Paul makes a statement that tells them, be ignorant concerning their spiritual gifts. And God's given you a gift the moment you got saved. And my question tonight is, are you using the gift that God's given you for His glory? And if you're not, you need to find, and this is the thing, if God's placed you this is the church God wants you in. And if this is the church God has you in, then God has something for your talents and your abilities to be used for Him in this place. 
And if you're not using them for his honor and for his glory, you're not doing what God called you to do. Because we're one body. We've talked about this tonight. We see our call, letter B, we see our condition. Paul talks about some spiritual gifts here in verse 7 and 8. He talks about the gift of prophecy. He talks about the gift of ministry. The gift of teaching. The gift of exhortating or encouragement. The gift of giving. The gift of ruling or administration. The gift of mercy. Do you know your spiritual gifts? You can find online spiritual gift tests. I encourage you to take one and see what your gifts are and know them. You should. And just because you're not gifted in an area doesn't mean that you shouldn't work in those areas. But I'll tell you, I know my spiritual gifts. I, you say, oh, pastor, you're just bragging. No, I want to know what areas the Lord has blessed me in and what areas I really got to work in. If, I, if you were to look at a spiritual, a spiritual, um, spiritual test, gift test, prophesying would be, is very high near the top, and that's proclaiming the word of God. I think that God's given me a gift to preach. I, don't hold, I think that's a calling from God. You see the one about ruling and administration? That's the bottom of Brian's list. That's being organized. That's being, that's not Brian. But that's the lowest on my thing. The top two is prophesying and encouraging. Those are the two. Mercy is at the very bottom, too. <laughs> Giving is kind of in the middle somewhere. Mercy, you know, for me, I, oh, poor kid, he fell on his knee. If you wouldn't have been doing what you were just doing, you wouldn't have fallen on your knee and hurt yourself. That's a sign of being uh, prophesying. That's where that comes from. That's part of that. That's where normally if you prophesy, mercy's not going to be as high on your list unless you're Jesus and you're just good at all of them. But anyways, we look at this and we see our condition. We see the spiritual gifts that are mentioned here. And there are many gifts that we could go through. But what Paul is doing is he's basically that we should seek to determine the gifts that we've been given. And then take those gifts and use them for the glory of God. And then as we do that, we see the last thing tonight, letter C, we see our caution. The end of verse number 8, it says, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The caution is, you see the three gifts he mentions at the end there? Giving ruling, administrative, and showing mercy. He tells us how these gifts are to be administered. And I think that you could really look at this in the broad spectrum of all of the gifts, but we see it mentioned here. You're supposed to use these gifts with simplicity. Number one, simplicity. That word means with sincerity free from mental pretense or hypocrisy. In other words, whether it be giving or any other exercise of a spiritual gift, it should be done from a pure heart and ministering to others without wanting anything in return. It should be done with simplicity. Number two, diligence. This word diligence means with haste. Our word speed comes from this word. 
and earnestness, striving after something. This refers to seeing the urgency of the moment and reaching out to the best of our abilities to make a difference in the lives of others while we have time with the gifts that we've been given. We're supposed to do it with simplicity, with diligence, and number three, and lastly tonight, cheerfulness. This word means excited joy and readiness of mind. It's where we get the English word hilarious from the Greek word. Being allowed to exercise our gift in the body of Christ should fill our hearts with unbridled joy and excitement. That's how we serve the Lord with gladness. Didn't we talk about that this morning? So this passage tonight, we look at the body of Christ this evening. How well are we filling up the places that we've been called to fill? Are you thinking too much of yourself or too little of yourself instead of thinking about what Christ is doing in your life? Are you trying to go against the way the body's supposed to be going and doing your own thing? The body's got to work together. You matter to the body. Those that are missing, they matter to the body. If God places, just think about this tonight, and I'm closing with this. God has placed whoever's supposed to be at Victory Baptist Church in this place. I'm 100% sure of that. That means that when the body gathers together and half the body doesn't show up, that's a pretty pathetic body, isn't it? It is, isn't it? So let's say your legs are cut off. That body can't do a whole lot, can it? So how can we do what God's called us to do if the body's not working together? And that's where those in the body that are faithful should be going to those in the body that are not so faithful and encouraging them and provoking them to get in so the body can function. Because a lot of times our church is worse than the most crippled person in the world because we can't function as a body because we're not together. They're popping balloons downstairs. God knows what he's doing. Scriptures are no accident for us. God has placed us right where we need to be. But if you're not doing your part, and here's the other thing. You might be here and you're just sitting. Are you using God's gifts that he's given you for his church? Because he placed you here. He placed you here for a reason. And if you're here and this is your church, your talents and abilities, the gift that God's given you, he's given to you to use in his church. Didn't we say that tonight? We did. And so you need to find your gift and then use your gift in whatever capacity God allows you to. If this is your church, find it here. That's how it's supposed to be. We're a body. Many members, many characters. If I were writing this, I'd say there are many characters in one body. That would be how I'd describe our church. But God wants to work. But we got to remember how we need to function. The problem today is a lot of churches aren't functioning very well because they're not together. We need one another. We do. I can get through the Christian life on my own. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. Show me someone all alone and show me how well they do in the Bible. 
John wasn't doing very well alone on the island of Patmos, was he? Jesus came and encouraged him. Everybody needs some encouragement. Everyone needs someone in their life. So let's take these thoughts and try to apply them to our lives this next week. Father, we love you. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for the truths that are found in your word. And thank you for this passage. And what a powerful passage about the body. And help us that we would... Um, that we would function properly. That we wouldn't think too highly or too lowly, but that we wouldn't think about us at all, but think about you and what you've called us to. Maybe... Whatever, maybe we need to find our spiritual gift. Help us to figure that out. Help us to apply that and to use it in our lives and help us to move forward for you doing the things that you've called us to do. We love you. We thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you for this passage. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.